0: are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life do you want to turn your dreams into your reality if that sounds like you then welcome to the mountaintop motivation podcast What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. I am here today with Jake Kelfer. Jake Squared coming at you today. Jake and Jake. Welcome, everyone. This is the Jake and Jake show. Uh, Jake Kelfer, tell me about yourself.
1: Dude, let's go, baby. Jake and Jake, come on now, Uh, man. Dude, I I can tell you everything you want to know. So basically, I am a sports nut. Grew up in Southern California. Worked for the Los Angeles Lakers. I've written a couple best-selling books. I've traveled the world as a motivational speaker, and um, I helped seventy NBA players sign their first contract. And now I primarily work with entrepreneurs and coaches, helping them turn their dream of writing a book into their reality.
0: That's amazing. You just gave us like. In 30 seconds, you gave what some people would see as their entire life goals. That's super cool. You've done a lot of really cool things, and a lot of them were at a really young age. Kind of give us a background of how, how this all happened, how you got involved working in professional sports, um, You know, getting 70, 70 NBA players signed. That's incredible. Just kind of tell us the backstory of how that all
1: happened. So... I'll take you way back because it started as, as a kid that played basketball and was a diehard Lakers fan. So I, I wanted to be the next Kobe, right? I want to be the next Magic Johnson. I want to be the first kid from my hometown to, to play for the Lakers. But as a 5'8 Jewish kid from the suburbs, you know, that dream got cut short a little bit early uh, after, after high school. And so I realized if I can't play in college at the division one level, or I can't, you know, make it to the NBA, then why don't I figure out a way to represent the best players in the world so I could still be on the court in some capacity? Mm-hmm. So I went to college with the ambition to become one of the youngest sports agents ever. I'll represent the lottery picks. I'll make millions of dollars. I'll buy a house. I'll buy an Island. I'll get married. I'll have kids. I'll then become a speaker and then I'll be able to write books and give back. And so that's why I went to college, studied business, studied sports. and was like, this is the path. Right before I get ready to graduate, the agency that was going to hire me and start my dream career goes on a hiring freeze, and they say, you got to look elsewhere. Mm. And it was in that moment, kind of, you know, looking back on it, obviously not right in that time, but looking back on it, it was like, okay, the plan that you had isn't going to be completely linear. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be things that put you up and put you down. How are you going to respond? Well, because I was so focused on networking and building these relationships, I ended up getting my first job with the Los Angeles Lakers. So I wasn't going the agent route, but I was getting a job to work for the greatest franchise in sports, the Los Angeles Lakers. And so I began my career as an assistant uh, in the corporate partnerships division in the final season of Kobe Bryant's career. Mm. And while I was there, I was meeting people, I was connecting with agents, I was connecting with teams, really trying to see how it all worked so that eventually I could be an agent and I would be able to figure it all out. And while I was there, I was just so impacted by Kobe and so impacted by Jerry West. And I had some other really, really powerful experiences that made me wonder, why do I have to wait till I'm rich or successful or till I have this status or symbol to be able to give back and help other people? I said, I may not be able to make the impact that Kobe had on the world, but what if I could make an impact on somebody's world? And that's what led me to eventually write my very first book called Elevate Beyond, And so as we move forward a little bit, I was still trying to figure out, well, how do I tie in book writing and speaking with my passion for helping basketball? And I decided, why don't I do something that's going to make a splash? It's going to be a go home, go. it's going to be a go big or go home moment. And that's when I decided to create the professional basketball combine, which was my way at 24 years old of saying, you know what? I'm going to really see if I can make a splash in the game of basketball. And if I can, we're going to do some incredible things. And if I don't, well, I can always try something else or I could double down on speaking or write more books. Well, it just so happened that this combine ended up being a massive success. And we were able to get over half the NBA teams there. We were able to get top national media. We were able to get great players. And most importantly, we were able to turn their dreams, these athletes' dreams of playing pro ball into their reality which was my whole goal of being an agent is to give people an opportunity to change their lives. And so that's how I really got started in the basketball space and how I kind of made some adjustments to live this go big or go home mentality, uh, knowing that life isn't always going to go according to the the plan we we put in front of ourselves.
0: Mm, that's absolutely amazing. You, you did something at the age of 24, putting that on, putting that together. I, I want to know, what is it that gave you that courage to say i'm going to be the one to do this where not only so many 24 year olds but so many 34 year olds and 44 year olds feel like who am i and you went out there and created this thing invited other all these teams you you invited all these players and created something really amazing what what was it inside of you that that uh
1: i guess kind of gave you permission to do it for sure, dude. Great question. I mean, the "who am I?" question was real. I mean, look, I'm I have less work experience, less I have less life experience than most of these agents had work experience, and I'm trying to convince an agent to pay me thousands of dollars to send their player to my event that they've never heard of and that they've never been to. Talk about mm-hmm. a tough sell. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so here's here's why I felt I had permission to do this was on one hand, I am very blessed to have two parents that really love me and support me. And because of the way I was brought up, it wasn't a matter of, do I succeed at what level? It's a matter of, did I try and give my best effort? And so Mm -hmm. to have their support and knowing that no matter what the result was, they would always love me. That's a big permission granter. The second component is I'm one of those people that intrinsically you can't stop me. Right? Like I just believe that we can have it all. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. And if it succeeds, we're going to have a ton of fun and open some big doors quickly. And if it doesn't succeed, well, guess what? I found one way that isn't going to get me to where I want to go. Just means I got to find another way. And I think for me overall, when it comes to not just the individual mindset around that event, but the long-term mindset of what kind of life do I really want to live I knew that no matter what I did at 24 was all going to be part of getting to my bigger plan, which is to have freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. And that Mm. was just the first stop along the journey of creating something really magical and special for a lot of other people.
0: That is so amazing. I mean, that's such a great thing. You, You unpacked a lot of important things, one of them being, you know, that issue of feeling loved, that issue of feeling like you're important, like you matter, it's an issue that so many people deal with. And I also think that a lot of people just don't even think about it. They don't think about it as as an issue, but so much of what we do or don't do, our fears, our um, just inactions have to do with that very feeling of am I enough? Am I worthy? Am I enough? And, and what you're saying is that that you were parented in such a way that, that that was never an issue for you. What do you think that your parents did that was unique um, compared to someone who maybe didn't have that experience?
1: Well, I, I think the the biggest thing for me growing up with, with my parents was it wasn't Jake, you need to get A's It was, Jake, you need to give your best effort. I never got in trouble for my grades. I got in trouble if I didn't put the effort that my parents knew I was capable of giving. And I think that sometimes in life, the game, the scorecard isn't judged by the grades you get or the bank account you have. Your scorecard is created by the amount of lives you impact and the legacy you can leave. And so for me, I had to really decide early on, am I going to go for just the accolade or am I going to go for the experience of life? And this is the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through because I'm a type A, overachiever, ambitious type of person that wants to check something off the list. But as I've gone through and checked things off, the things that have been the most meaningful are the experiences I've created along the way to check in off the box. And so for me, I think that, and I I think this is something that we can all think about in our own lives is, are we just focusing on the outcome or are we focusing on the process to achieving that outcome? And when we can do that, we can stop focusing on did the box get checked, but focus on the experience along the way to the box being checked. And that is where the fun happens. Mm. What kind of lessons did you
0: did you learn while putting together this event, putting, putting this all together? What are some of those lessons that you pulled out and are able to use in other areas of your life?
1: Oh, the power of rejection is one of the best things that I learned, you know, as, as a speaker, it was valuable as a, as a combine director, it's valuable as a coach instructor, as an entrepreneur, it's so valuable because I'm negotiating with some of these agents and they're telling me, they're saying, Jake, this is never going to work. You shouldn't even bother trying this, Jake, just go intern at an agency and start your career that way. Jake, we're never going to send players to your event. People would hang up on me immediately. And It really taught me that when people say no, we often think take it personally. When someone says no, it is not a reflection of who you are as a human being. It is just purely a reflection on how they perceive what you are offering. And that was something that I really had to do because I took those rejections personally. I said, Mm -hmm. they don't want me. And that led to wrong thoughts. That led to spiraling negative emotions. That led to me not believing in myself that I was worthy enough to create this event. And so, that lesson that I really learned from there is this idea that when someone tells you no, it can mean next one, it can mean new opportunity, it can mean not yet. There are so many benefits that come from when someone says no, when we choose to look at it as a reframe rather than to choose it as a rejection of ourselves as a human. And I think that that's something so, so, so powerful that has played a big role in my life as I continue to try and create bigger things and surround myself with um, bigger opportunities. Mm.
0: What a cool thing. And when you put that on, when you, when you actually created that event, um, what were some of the challenges that you faced like logistically? Cause I'm looking at this as like, this is a huge deal. And yeah, you're dealing with rejection and stuff, but also, you're looking
1: at buildings, and you're looking at you know, there's all this kind of stuff. Tell us about some of that. So, so logistically, I'm, I'm gonna shoot to you straight. When it was my first book, I had no idea what I was doing. When it was building this event, I had no idea what I was doing. I just had a vision of what I knew was possible, and I figured out what is the best way to create the closest thing to the vision I have, and the fastest way for any vision to come true is to surround yourself with the right people who can teach you the right things. And so my entire focus around the logistics was finding the best people in each specific area to help introduce me to the right people or to help teach me what I needed to know to be able to execute. So for example, when I was looking at logistics, I said, well, what is the best venue in the world to host this type of event? I asked people in the basketball space who did events similarly or in the past, and they recommended me to a certain place. Boom. Now I knew where my venue was done. I didn't bother looking elsewhere. I said, I trust and I commit. Then I started asking, okay, how am I going to get in touch with the media? How am I going to get them to arrive? So I made a couple of relationships. They made the introductions and boom, things started to happen. Things started to pick up. I then said, okay, Well, look, where are we going to get the flow and the structure of this event? Well, I went to people that I had worked with and interned with who had put on unbelievable events like NBA, Summer League, Adidas Nations. And I said, okay, you guys, I'm building this. I want to take some of the principles you've taught me. How do I elaborate on that? Boom, we incorporated it. I said, well, what types of workouts do we really want to do? I had never done a pro workout. So I said, well, what do I need to do? So I went to the people that have led pro workouts and I asked them, what is the best flow that's going to give the teams what they want to see so that more will come out and boom. And what I did was I put a lot of trust into people for creating this event logistically. And then I hired a team of hungry people that wanted to succeed and create a career in basketball and in that first year we ended up having a staff of about 20 people for that first year only one of them was in their 30s everybody else was in their 20s or their teens in college mm. looking for their first big break because i said we're going in this together we're going to work hard and what's not about us it's about the players and that mentality allowed us to create an event that went super smoothly it ran super efficiently and most importantly is it allowed us to build because we had executed so well on that first year. Mm. How long, do you still run this event? So unfortunately we I decided to uh to shut it down uh when the pandemic hit just mm. because it it wasn't uh VC funded or wasn't backed by any, any big money or anything. And so we just decided that when the pandemic happened, there were some changes with the draft process. And so we, uh we decided to to put the event on hold. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So it's on hold.
0: It's not a uh, done forever. It's a come back at someday. Who knows?
1: We'll, we'll see, you know, right now it's, it's, it's not in business, but you never know what we could turn it into someday. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I never say it's, it's over forever, but uh, for right now, we, we don't run it and we aren't planning on running it for uh, the foreseeable future.
0: And you ran it for how many years? We did it for three years. Okay, cool. What a cool thing that you did that. You built that up and you said, well, unfortunately, you know, maybe it's fortunately. Because you, you you have different phases of life, you experience different things. Different things happen. And what an incredible experience you got to have! So tell me, kind of what's happened since then? What's happened in in your career and your business? And you know, you've done so many cool things. And it seems like so much of it was this was the start of it.
1: Yeah, man. So so let's let's just keep it going on the on the timeline, so we don't confuse anybody. Yeah. But here we are, pandemic hits. Where everyone says, "What what do we do now?" Right. As for me, I'm my my plan is I'm running this event, I'm speaking all over the country and all of a sudden within a matter of 3 weeks the event gets shut down, speaking gigs go on hold, they get rescheduled or they get canceled and I'm like, "Oh my gosh. Like what what's about to happen?" right? And, and they sure- were
0: canceled, they were they were canceled or rescheduled to be booked. "Oh, we'll do it in a couple months." is what we all thought at the time.
1: Exactly. We all thought, okay, well, it just postponed or it'll come back, right? But unfortunately, a lot of those gigs still haven't come back in in certain ways, depending on the industry that that you're in and the space that you speak in. But um, what was crazy was I was like, okay, well, I can just crawl up in my ball and feel sorry for myself, or I can like make some adjustments and see this as a chance to try and experiment with some new things. So I got straight to work and I was like, all right, what do people need? This was April. I said, what do people need in the entrepreneurial space? And I was like, I just, if I, what I'm looking for as myself was just, I need to listen to some great people talk about what are they doing? What are the best minds across different industries doing? And so I put together an entire summit. I interviewed 35 speakers, some of my good friends, some people that I had never met. And I just hosted this unbelievable summit with the idea to just spread the message, to get people involved and ultimately really to just show people how do you, take action? How do you build connection? How do you still find enjoyment even when things are out of our control and not going our way? That led to me building up a next coaching business. So I literally turned that into an entire coaching business. Um, And then I released my third book called The Elevated Entrepreneur. And then everybody was just asking me, Jake, how have you been able to write a book, let alone three books? How have you been able to use each book to grow your business? And that leads us to today, which is my primary focus of helping entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches write books to grow their business.
0: That's awesome. So tell, tell us more about that,
1: about what that looks like and what you're doing there. So our main focus is, is a program called Big Idea to Bestseller, And the entire premise of it is to help the super busy who have dreams of writing a book do it super effectively in one hour a day, right? And Mm -hmm. the reason I created this program specifically for entrepreneurs is because every book that I've written has been a direct correlation to my ability to grow a network, build an audience and grow my speaking business and other businesses. And because of that, we wanted to provide this at scale for anybody who is looking to grow uh, and to take their business to the next level, whether they're using it to build authority, to get booked on podcasts, to land paid speaking gigs, to get national media attention, to generate book sales, to generate new leads, whatever it may be. There are a lot of opportunities that can come from a book. Um, and it's something that almost everyone in this space wants to write at some point or another. And so now that's we're creating the easiest way possible for any busy entrepreneur to get it done.
0: That's cool. Uh, give us some of those tips, what that looks like. Like how, how are they, you say one hour a day. That, that's amazing. What are, what are they doing in order to, to get that done in one hour?
1: Man, so we, we have an entire whole process here that, that breaks it down. But, but our focus is to get you to write your rough draft in 30 days or less in under one hour a day of actual writing time. And so the way we really focus on doing that is we have a really cool let's get started phase where we help people really break down their intention, their why now, their their book audience, their purpose. And then we dive into what we call the Avengers process to outlining your book. So by the time you actually get to writing your book, you have all the content dialed in, you have all your stories, you have everything you need to make the book super smooth. And then when it comes to actually writing the book, because this is where everyone gets stuck, right? Everyone has journals and journals of different ideas, different outlines that they've kind of had all all up to this point. They're like, I want to write a book, but then it never ends up happening. And so now we get to this point where it's like, okay, what do we do to actually complete this draft? Well, the first thing I'm going to share here is that we call it the doggy draft. Okay. We call it the doggy draft because it is rough. Okay. It is rough. All right. And yeah. We play off all the, the, the funny puns. We play off all that because we want you to remember it. But the point here, and the reason we call it the doggy draft is because when you write your first draft of the book, you don't have to create the greatest masterpiece of all time. You have to create a document that solves a problem by sharing your knowledge. And when you do that and you start to take the pressure off of you from creating this magical book into focusing on who you really can help, that's when you can start making tons of progress. The second thing is we create a super clear writing time breakdown. And this allows everybody, even the busiest people, to see exactly how long each chapter can take. Based on the outline we've created, this allows you to plan based on your schedule and it allows you to stay accountable, which is a critical component of writing a book. So we have all these different tips and tricks and there's so many more, but ultimately it comes down to, do you have the right intention? Have you created an idea and validated that idea? And do you have the right process to be able to execute efficiently? If you have those things, you're going to be able to execute a high quality book faster than you ever thought possible.
0: Mm. What do you think it is that holds people back from writing them? There's so many people who want to write books, but a lot of people just, it just stays on their bucket list. What do you think that
1: is that holds them back? Time is one of the biggest things that holds people back because traditionally we think when we think, and when I thought of writing my first book, I thought I was going to have to lock myself in a cabin in the woods for six, six months. I was going to grow a grizzly beard and then I would have to go do all the promotion, right? And, and that wasn't realistic for me as someone who was creating an entrepreneurial world, who was creating multiple businesses. And so I was like, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do that? So I think time is one of the biggest things that hold people back. And then I think another really big thing that holds people back is the idea of who am I to write a book? Why would anybody read my book when there's so many other people that have written books on this topic or that? talk, uh, teach about what I teach and talk about. And my answer to that, for everyone that thinks that, because this is a feeling that almost every author has when they're writing their first book is to remember that, look, you're probably already getting paid to teach people in a different delivery method. So you've already validated what you know and your experience. So people are already paying you for this knowledge. They're going to want your book. But even more importantly than that, is you have to realize that if you have a message to share it is your responsibility to give it to the world because there is somebody out there right now who's waiting for you to say it in your voice in the style that you teach it to change their life and that is one of the most powerful things we can recognize in ourselves as entrepreneurs is that we have a message and it's our responsibility and our duty to share it with people who need it i think that's that's
0: the best uh, that's the best answer about imposter syndrome right there is that it It can't be about us. It has to be about them. And I just think that the more that we focus on us, the more that we focus on making it me centric, the, the more self-conscious I'm going to be. And I even like to just cut, like break down that word, self-conscious, that phrase With so how do you stop being self-conscious? Well, let's start being other conscious. Let's start, like just by the the word being self-conscious, it means I'm thinking about me more than I'm thinking about others. And instead of thinking about like, well, what's so-and-so gonna think when they read this or, or what are they gonna, are they gonna judge me? Are they gonna whatever? Just even asking that question tells me that we're thinking about me instead of thinking about what are they gonna get out of it? I rarely hear people say, I'm afraid to go and speak. Because I don't think people are going to get enough value out of it, or I don't think people are going to get enough value out of this book. They're usually saying they're going to judge me. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to say like, it's, it's always about us. Like no one's ever saying, well, I'm afraid they're not going to get enough out of it. It's
1: all internal focused. A hundred percent. I mean, I remember, I vividly remember I was writing my first book and I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what if nobody reads this book? Like, what if it completely flops and you and mom are my only buyers? And and he looks at me and he and he and he shares a very important lesson that I've 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 taken with me ever since. And he and he says, I don't know if five million people are gonna read this book or five people are gonna read this book, but I can promise you that great and unexpected things are gonna happen when you put this out and deliver value to the world. And I think that that's so true is that when we take the focus off of what are people going to think about us and we put it towards how is this going to impact others, you're going to start to find that the pressure you put on yourself is free and you're going to be able to start seeing like, oh my gosh, like publishing this book is for them, right? Right. Crossing it off your checklist is for you, but writing it is for them. And that's really, really powerful. And so I love the way you kind of take self-conscious and make it other conscious because it is true. I think anything in life that we do, whether it's a book, whether it's speaking, whether it's just relationship building is when we take it, the focus off of us and we focus on other people, we win. We is greater than me right? Dale Carnegie says it the best. You can make more friends in two months by being interested in others than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. It's the name of the game.
0: Yeah. So I'm guessing you read how to win friends and influence people as he brought brought that up. That
1: was the first like self-help personal development book that I read shortly followed by one of my favorite books ever called Training Camp by John Gordon.
0: Mm, I haven't read that one, but looking at, at, uh, how to win friends and influence people. I, I think that that book, honestly, like everything you need about connecting with other people is right there in the book. And when it comes to it, I personally, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And, and, you know, I didn't go over this before we started talking, but really this podcast is a conversation more than an, more than a traditional interview. Totally, I, I think about that book a lot. And I think about what it really takes to succeed as an entrepreneur. And I think that people make it way too complicated. You know, especially in our our era of internet entrepreneurs, coaching, speaking, um, information products, those kind of things. I personally think that all it takes is building relationships with the right people. And building relationships with the right people is not that complicated. In fact, if you're trying to build a relationship not necessarily i'm not saying you don't have a purpose behind it but i'm saying that like you know who the right people are and as long as you're in the room talking to those people or in the zoom room whatever it is but as long as you're in the right rooms talking to people and building relationships with them the opportunities just come like they just they just happen it's not that
1: complicated you know why this is you know why this is because you're so right Right. You're so right. But Why this is, is because we're in an era of quick fix. We're in an era of instant versus delayed gratification. We're in an era of people wanting to make the seven figures in seven months over creating the relationships that'll build you to seven and eight figures with having fun. And I think that that's like the biggest thing is because we're so focused on trying to get results. So our relationship focus goes back on us. How can we use you to get to what I want rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to build this relationship for the long-term and even more things are going to come out about it. A lot of people are so focused on what can they get out of the relationship that they forget that the relationship, a definition of a relationship is two people getting to know each other right and building yeah, a common totally. bond and so you know you look at how to win friends and influence people but you look at just life in general man and like look we got connected through a mutual friend we're going to have a great relationship we don't know what's going to come from this but i guarantee you something amazing is going to happen and other people are going to be impacted because of it like that's totally. the power of this right and it's not like how can i use you to to get more customers how can you use me to get more customers or whatever it's look let's have a conversation Share what we know, inspire people along the way. And who knows, maybe someone that's listening to this will reach out, it will change their life, and boom, we're gonna have put them on the spiral ripple effect that that happens. But it all starts with the relationship. It starts with me and you, it starts with you and someone else. It starts with people to people getting to know each other, sharing some common interests, and just talking about what is life and how can we make it better.
0: Yes, yeah, I, I I love that concept. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately in, in my business. And I've just been thinking like everything good that I have I have created in my business has all started with talking to another human. It's all started with talking with another human. And the less I focused on what is the ROI of that conversation, the more opportunity came from it. Because if you just go, hey, I'm looking, we've all known those people that every time you talk to them, it's like, hey, I got another, hey, how about this? Here's another thing. Here's another, like, you know, I, I, sometimes I think about it and I'm like, dude, if you just like chill out and be my friend, we could create some opportunities. But when people are just like, here's an opportunity, here's an opportunity, I'm like, dude, chill out. So I'd love to hear from you. What do you think, um, what do you think is the right way to, do networking? And what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people make as they network with other people to try to further their, their business and their careers?
1: Uh, I think a big mistake that people make, I love that you bring this up. Cause like my second book was called Elevate Your Network. So like I have 25 mm-hmm. Kelf Keys in there that literally break down networking and, and my thought process on, process 25 on it. 25 what? What did you call, those? I call them? I call them Kelf Keys. instead well, dude, of chapters that's great. Because my last name is Kelfer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, I just want to say that is great. What that is such that is so great. I love that. You you gotta have fun in business. You gotta have fun. We take it way too seriously, make some shit up, have a good time, and just let it fly. But but when it comes to these relationships, man, like when you think about At its core, right? I'm going to reference how to win friends and influence people. He says, then the sound of someone else's name, the sound of your own name is like the sweetest sound in the human language. We love when people know our names, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you meet someone and then you forget their name instantaneously, right? It's because honestly, you're just not putting in the effort. But on the flip side, have you ever had someone who does remember your name? And then at the end of the conversation or at the end of the event that you're at says, hey, see you later, Jake. And you're like, wait, they remember my name? A little effort plays a big role in terms of memorability and recency. And that's a huge factor to have in your relationships. Now, when it comes to making big mistakes, one of the big things is people ask too soon. Okay. And here's what I mean by this. There's something I call flip the script. When you're in a relationship and you're wondering if it's appropriate to ask for something or it's appropriate to, to do something next, I want you to think of This example, flip the script. So instead, flip the roles of you and that person. And if that person was to ask you for the exact same favor that you were hoping to ask them for, how would you feel about doing it? Would you be ready to do it? Or would you be like, whoa, this is a little too soon? We need to develop more. If the answer feels good to you, you probably have developed the relationship long enough or deep enough. It's not a matter of time, it's a matter of depth. But if the answer is no, then keep building that relationship before making that ask, okay? Mm. So that's one way to really navigate through that that worry of asking for too much rather than giving, okay? Another big, big, big mistake that people don't do when it comes to networking is they don't invest in the Mm follow-up. The follow-up is the greatest thing that ever existed for people that know how to use it effectively, Why? Because the majority of people are willing to read a book, listen to an inspirational talk and go reach out to somebody, right? People will make a list of all the people that they think could up their business and they're going to go and they're going to reach out once. And that's it. They're going to be like, oh, it didn't work. Nobody wants to connect with me. No, people are busy. People have lives. People are having kids. People are getting married. People are on vacation. People's families are, are doing things. And so it's really, really important that you follow up and just be like, hey, I'm sure you're probably busy, but I just want to make sure you got my last email or you got my email on X, Y, Z. And when you follow up with people, there is so much value because it shows that you're really invested and it shows that you're willing to put effort into that relationship. So sometimes what I'll even do when I'm hiring somebody or when I'm, when someone wants to like get 15 minutes of my time, sometimes I literally won't respond to the first message and I'll wait one week. And if they follow up, they get the time or they get an interview, but if they don't follow up, I will reply and let them know, Hey, thanks so much, but it's not the right fit. And the reason I do that is because the follow-up is so, so, so powerful. So those are a couple like mistakes and kind of things that I, that I kind of think about when it comes to networking, but overall, it's all about asking good questions and being a good listener. Like when it comes yeah. to building the right relationships and we talk about best practices, it's about asking good questions and being a good listener. Because that's a skill set that very few people possess or are willing to invest in. Mm.
0: I couldn't agree more. And you're talking about elevating your network, listening, like in, in full transparency. The reason why I've recently recommitted to this podcast is because of the opportunity to have this conversation. So if we yeah. had a conversation without this podcast, yeah, we would have talked. We would have got to know each other a little bit. We would have done those kind of things, but we wouldn't have had this conversation where we've set aside 40 minutes where I'm just allowed to talk to you and just ask you questions. And like this podcast, yes, it's about the people who are listening and what they're getting out of it. But for me, it's also, it's a great way for me to connect with other people and build those relationships because I just think, Everything is about elevating that network. It's about 100%. the keys, is what it is.
1: There it is, dude. But 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 a podcast is the ultimate triple win. Okay, yeah. we've all heard of the win win, right? We've all heard of the win win. Yeah. Like that's that's cute and all, but this is the triple win. All right, this is fully elevated. It's a win for the reasons you said. You get to have a great conversation. You get to expand your network. You get to learn some things. You get to talk to people. You get to provide value for people. Me as a guest, this is an amazing win. I get to be interviewed. I get to talk about myself, which we everybody loves talking about themselves. And I get your to provide subject. value. Yeah. It's, your favorite it's subject, my favorite right? subject too. It's everyone's favorite subject. Exactly. And so, so for me, it's a huge win. I get in front of a great audience. I get to add value. I get to help people. So we both get in wins. But then it's a triple win because of everybody that listens to this gets to hear the value and hopefully learn something that they can implement right away or something Mm -hmm. that they could say, you know what, maybe I've been going about this a little bit wrong. What if I made this one little tweak? And that could be the difference of somebody having a 100K k year or a 250K k year, right? And so the triple win is what we got to strive for in our relationships, not just the win-win. We got to go big. We got to be fully elevated on that standpoint because we can have it all. There's too many great people out there and we got to share the love. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, What book have you gifted
0: more than any other book? I love this. Other than one of your own. Other than one of your own.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I love this question. I'm not, I wouldn't take the easy answer there. Um, What's the book that I've gifted. I'm trying to think, I know the books that I've bought the most. Um, You could say recommended the most as well. One of my favorite books that I've recommended recently has been a happy pocket full of money um, Mm. by I don't know. I don't know the guy's name. The Gakandi, I think is his last name. Um, but it's, it's a very powerful money mindset book. So I've really been recommending that as that's an area where I continue to work on for myself. Um, I've also recommended and gifted John Gordon's books a lot. He's one of my favorite authors because he writes a lot of like business fables, which are fictional stories about real world practices. Um, the Go Giver by Bob Berg is also an incredible book. And I'm looking at my shelf over here. Those are a few so then, that I've read. That first, first one, that's on. David Cameron Gikandi.
0: There you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 cool. exactly
1: exactly yeah it's it's a it's all about money mindset and kind of kind of shaping the way we think about it so it was a different perspective than how i grew up so i really liked listening or reading that book and listening to the principles inside of it but i love i love gifting all types of books but my favorite are probably business fables that have real world practical examples in there because i think that that's a really great way to help people especially if they're newer to the space or they kind of want a lighter read but still want value from it it's a great, great way for to, to connect and to have a shared story that uh, can bridge you closer together.
0: Love it. Finish this sentence here. We're talking to new entrepreneurs. If new entrepreneurs would just blank, they would be so much more successful or things would be so much easier. If they would just, what
1: is it? If they would just take intentional action, build authentic relationships, and enjoy the journey in the pursuit of success. Mm. Boom! Love that. Love that. Say the three again. Take intentional action. What was the second Take one? Take intentional action. Build authentic relationships. And enjoy the journey in the pursuit of success.
0: Mm. I think that that enjoyment of the journey is so underrated. It's so underrated. When whenever I talk about the importance of having fun, it's something I talk about. A lot, kind of ad, ad nauseum. I talk about this a lot with my clients, and sometimes I see their eyes kind of roll. Like, okay, just just get to the stuff, get to the real stuff. And I'm like, no, dude, like I got to tell you, like the truth is, like I I go to Disneyland more than most grown men should, and uh, you know, I I I go there all the time. I've been an annual pass holder since I was 14, and you know, it's something that that I, I thoroughly enjoy. Someone says, "So, so, why do you go there all the time? What's the purpose? Like, why, why you, is this something you like a lot?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it is something I like. I enjoy it. I, it's something that I have a lot of fun with. But the truth is, is that I'm going there because I know that the fun that I have in that environment of something that this incredible entrepreneur created, it sparks ideas that I cannot have." When I'm just sitting and journaling, because a lot of people be like, okay, I got to sit, do my morning routine journal. Come, on. My best ideas come when I'm experiencing something like being at Disneyland for the day, going out to Disney world in Florida, climbing a mountain, going skiing, going on a boat, doing those kind
1: of things. That's when the ideas come. We can't just force creativity. Mountaintop motivation, baby. Mountaintop yes. motivation. But, but, You're exactly right, dude. This is so, so pivotal. But the reason it's underrated is because it's so challenging, right? Mm. The reason it's underrated is because having fun when you're in the mud and you're trying to grow a business or start something or try to make money out of thin air when potentially your back's against a rope, it's like, how can I be doing that? I just want the strategy or the things to get me the results. But that's why it's so important is because when you are only focused in it, You can't get to the end and see how beautiful it is. You Mm. need to be able to enjoy it along. And I'm guilty of this at very early stages of my career. And it's something I still work on all the time because I want, give me the stuff, tell me what to do. I'm going to make it happen. But by doing that, I miss out on all the great collaborations, all the great opportunities, all the ideas that come from being present, from being in the moment. And my mom, she always used to text me, live in the moment, and enjoy the journey. And guess what I used to do? I used to roll my head, roll my eyes. I rolled my eyes. Eventually, I stopped rolling my eyes and I listened. And now I'm able to live in the moment. And when something goes wrong or it doesn't go right, I'm like, okay, I see you. You're testing me. Let's go. Game on. And because of that, then I can move forward with a clear mind rather than oh my gosh, this is never going to work out. Why even bother? Let me just grind another 12 hours to figure it out. No, everything's going to work out. And if we can have fun along the journey and then we can couple that fun with intentional work, we're going to be dynamite. And so that's a huge lesson I've learned. And I think the way you described it about you going to Disneyland or being on a mountain, like that is magical stuff, right? That is magical stuff. People have the best ideas in the shower too. Why? Because you're giving yourself permission to be, right? We're not human doings we are human beings and we need to be we need to live we need to have fun and i don't know about you but i'd much rather 10 years from now say damn look how much fun i just had building this rather than oh my gosh what did i just do for the last 10 years i want to have fun and i want to encourage everybody else to have fun and enjoy the crap out of their journey
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, We're going to wrap things up here. A couple more questions before we get into that. What's the best way for people to find out more about you find out more about uh, your book writing business? How can they get in touch with you to learn
1: more? The best way right now is to be on Instagram at Jake Kelfer. That is where I spend the majority of my time. Uh, I have a training, a free training called How to Write and Launch a Best-Selling Book in One Hour a Day. That you can access directly in the link, or you can send me a DM, but Instagram at Jake Kelfer. And I have my website, jakekelfer.com as well. But Instagram is the place. Let's chop it up. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other and uh, have some fun.
0: So they can go to Instagram. You're saying in your bio is the link that will take them there. Yep. Okay. Sounds great. Awesome. A couple last questions. Why do you think every
1: entrepreneur needs a book? How much time we got? No, (laughs) I think every entrepreneur, I think every entrepreneur needs a book because we are in the business of serving others. We are in the business of making a difference. And every entrepreneur wants to leave the world better than they found it. And because of that, a book gives you the most versatile marketing access to your business. Okay. It gives you the most versatile marketing asset, asset to your business. It's a paid product. It's a lead gen tool. It's a customer experience tool. It can be used to sign clients. It can be used to book speaking gigs. It can be used to build credibility. A book can do it all when you know how to use it. So I believe that every entrepreneur who wants to make a difference in this world and who wants to make money and have fun doing it should have a book. Mm,
0: Couldn't agree more. Love it. What is one thing that someone can do to make the world around them a better place? Smile. Love that answer. That's an answer I actually have got many times, and I think that it's so true. Last question. I have this sign here to focus on the good. I believe that it's the most important thing that we can do, not just for happiness, but also for success in our lives, is focusing on the good and finding that. When I say that word, when I say that phrase, focusing on the good, what does focus on the good mean to
1: you? Focus on the good is, is great, man. And for me, it really... It really like, as I'm thinking about, like, there's so many things that, that are coming to my mind, but when I think of focusing on the good, it's about enjoying this journey. It's about looking at what's in front of me and getting excited about the opportunity. It's about recognizing the challenges and reframing them into what could happen. It's about taking the, the things I've not succeeded at and saying, how can I make them better? But focusing on the good, man, is about enjoying the journey in the relentless pursuit of greatness. Mm,
0: Love it so much. Jake Kelfer, this was a blast. Give me a virtual fist bump to end this. Here we go. Boom. There we go. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to implement something that you learned in this episode because nothing happens until you take action. If you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur, Who's looking to uplevel your network with a group of people who also have a rising tide lifts all boats attitude, then come and join our exclusive network of successful entrepreneurs by going to mtmsuccess.com slash rising tide.